Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. It's raining again, but uh, I'm coping. Well, you're also looking very festive. I mean, we are into November, which means we can get into holiday themes. You are wearing a lovely red shirt with our nice green backdrop, which is a point of contention because you think it's black, but it's definitely, true. definitely green. And I did want to change my shirt because we were recording two episodes. Uh, so this is a duplicate shirt. Yeah. Well, we are being <laughs> it's still red. <laughs> yeah, it's still red. We're trying to be very efficient because we are going to be away at NICA. So that's the National Youth Mountain Bike League in the US. We're going to be at their Eastern Regional. Uh, so I can do a bunch of Shred Girl stuff with their well, Shred Girls and your new book, The Strong Girl. Yes, with Strong Girl Publishing. Okay. So people should check that out. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, brand new book. And, and anyone who's looking for gift ideas, you know, maybe this is like a thanksgiving gift perhaps do we give those or or just getting ready for the holidays if you have a young person in your life who's into reading and or into just athletics uh and maybe needs to do a bit more reading this is a, a great option and for any shred girls avid fans this would be like a good next step yes i have heard from a few parents who bought the book you know their daughters love shred girls or sons we actually have quite a few boys who read these books so very exciting uh yeah a couple parents i've heard from you know their kids love the shred girls books and they're loving the strong girls okay. so that's very okay. exciting. always a little nervous when the because it's not the same characters this isn't it's not like part two or four or whatever you want to no, call it i mean i guess maybe i could build it in so it actually is like the prequel like like her kids eventually out, yeah it turns out lizzie is actually like the great 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 grandmother of, of Allie or yeah. something i don't know anyway um <laughs> okay so molly's got a new book so you love if you check that out thank you to everyone who's who has checked it out and shared that around Very much um as a small publishing company definitely appreciate the the assistance and the sharing there okay so i just have to like pause and give a like very nerdy this got me really excited so uh there's a woman uh annie hall who wrote a book about louise armando who inspired the strong girl she's very loose inspiration for the book um look her up if you are ever interested so ann hall wrote this book muscles on wheels about louise armando and actually she emailed me the other day because a friend of hers from the states happened to get the strong girl not because it was about louise armando just happened to get it like for her niece hmm. and then like immediately emailed Anne because i in the afterword of the book i say you know if you want to read about the actual woman who kind of inspired like loosely inspired this book check out muscles on wheels so she read it and she's like oh my gosh i know her so she emailed Anne, and then Anne emailed me and i was like Oh my gosh, this woman is like a superstar to me. Okay. Uh, so Anne is like a historian here in Canada and has written a couple of books oh, about neat. different women in Canadian history. So okay. anyway, very, very exciting and just so cool to see that it's getting around. Okay. Well, we have two we have a couple of questions. Two questions. To We're going to cover these quickly because the one is one I don't, I find like is belabored, but we'll go into it. So do you want to read this? Uh, the peaking, we have a peaking question. Okay. Uh, I've been hammering interval training and big conditioning rides in the last six weeks leading up to the Iceman Cometh, which I think will be done by the time this goes live. Could but. be. Yeah. Or or just like happening as you listen to it. Who knows how your world sure, will sure. evolve. Uh, so it's 30 miles of forest trail, 2,200 feet of elevation game, gain ahead of this person in about two hours or less. So Iceman is like 
you know, kind of usually the season ending mountain bike race for a lot of people, not season ending and that they get like horribly injured. Just well, some ending, people like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, in that it's like, it, you know, it's early. It's November. late. It's yeah. Late. And it snows. It's in Northern Michigan. It's ice map. Yeah. Uh, we're now 10 days out. Are there any more gains that can be had prior to the race in the run up to an XC race like this? What would your training focus be? Yeah. So. I mean, good luck to everyone. Our, our good friends, Brian Matter and uh, Alexi, uh, are, are, I think, I assume both Brian Matter has been there every year. And that guy is, oh, what an impressive man. Him and, him and Sandra Walter are the ones that like give me hope to just keep, keep going at it. But Brian, yeah. Last year he was leading. I remember we were like watching the. Yeah. Like, I think, or, was he not on the podium or where did he end up? It's hard to say. It's, everything changes in that. But yeah, Lexi won last year and, and Brian just is amazing whether he wins or not. Yeah, uh, so yeah. kudos and good luck to them. Uh, else doing it. So you're going to peak. Uh, it sounds like this person has all the hay is in the barn is the same. You're a couple weeks out. So all you can do now is basically screw it up. And this is a, a, a master's adult person who works and has family. So our rule of thumb with peaking is the working person's peak. And that's basically don't screw it up and try and, and, and like put yourself in the best position. We talked about position a little bit with that end of the season. Like, how can you be in a good position? So if you are super stressed from work and like someone's phoning you like the morning of the race and you're yelling into your phone, which has happened, to both but of then us. it's snowy and you didn't anticipate that it was going to have, you're going to need clothes and like someone to maybe take your clothes on the start line. Uh, your bike's not ready. You haven't checked the ceiling in your tires. You didn't look into the tires that are like best for this race. Like some of this stuff should have been done in advance of the two weeks, but a bunch of it happens in the two weeks before. So one week before the week before race week, try and get stuff off your plate. This is with family. This is with the work as best you can. It's not always possible. You're going to have stuff that we like, don't stress out when you have stuff, but try and get stuff out of the way. This includes bike maintenance week of the race. If you can get there one or two or three days early, I think that's a good idea. Just so you have slack, you can figure out the race venue, maybe do a quick, this course is short enough. You could probably pre-ride it, uh, get checked in. You're not, you know, the person showing up on race morning, trying to register at 5.00 AM, if that's even an option or like late at night, the night before you're out running around and the expo. So try and set yourself up for the best, you know, to put all that hard work, uh, to, 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 to work. Right. I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. Not the time to add one more monster interval session or one more super technical mountain bike that you weren't supposed to do or, you know, one more base phase somehow. Or, right. Or, or yeah, just strength training. Or... So usually that week before the week before race week, let's talk about the actual training. Um, usually you'd do like a, a midweek workout. So something like Wednesday, not the hardest one you've done, but similar to what you'd been doing midweek before. So say you were doing, I always say five by three, but that's probably not what you were doing. Maybe you do like a three by three that Wednesday, something like that. Uh, just a little bit less, but still very intense. Uh, the volume is generally coming down, but you're keeping this, this person actually like they, they were reducing, they were riding every other day, which is sort of an odd strategy. It probably could work fine, but usually you keep the frequency of your rides about the same. Uh, some of that is like, you don't want to get, you want to be familiar with the bike. Um, you want to be fresh. You want to be, you don't want to be stale. Sometimes they use these words. Uh, so riding the same number of days, if not even more sometimes like a morning spin, if that was an option. And then the Saturday, I think this race is on Saturday. I don't remember, but about a week out, you know, that could be a pretty specific ride, but again, you're not replicating the race. This one, you might actually be pretty close to doing it, but it doesn't have to be like hard for two hours or an hour and a half. Uh, again, just whatever you've been doing to prepare is probably good, but just not the full 
workout. So if you had been doing say four by tens threshold on the weekend, maybe you do three by 10 or four by eight or six or something. And again, intense, but not depleting. And then you're sort of travel to the race and away you go. Hmm. Um, midweek again, the week of the race, again, probably some openers. They might just be that three by three again, right? Like it might just be something like that the Wednesday before the race. Uh, that might be on the course if you happen to be there very early. Uh, some of the athletes I have going there will do a bit of a pre-ride on maybe the Thursday. I think they're doing it a few days out. Uh, again, that depends what you can handle. Um, yeah. So that's peaking. I thought maybe you could speak to what you did because you did a bit of a peak. I don't think David's big on peaking, but, um, what did you do in the week or two before this 75 K run race? Yeah. Yeah. It was, we probably started tapering, not quite two weeks out, but like my last really big run was not the Saturday before the race. It was the Saturday before the Saturday before the race. So like two weeks. Yes. And then okay. the week after that was still like, it was kind of everything, but like at two thirds. Mm. So rather than having a 20 miler on Saturday, I had 14 and then it was, you know, an eight to 10 on Sunday instead of a 10 to 12 mm -hmm. during the week. It was very much like six like six miles instead of 10 mm -hmm. um just a couple pickups on wednesday wednesday's normally when i do workouts but that was just a couple pickups instead of like any major intervals sure um and then actually what we did uh and i really like this is thursday so the race was on saturday so thursday was an off day okay and then friday was just like a you know four mile with a couple little speedy okay. opener things right pre-race day yeah and then obviously saturday was race day um, so, you know, having all that extra time during the week, I also then cut out strength during the week. I still did my normal yoga core in the morning, but I didn't do my normal like, easy strength workouts in the afternoons. I figured just sure. give myself the full rest. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, the, the, you know, extra time you sort of have, you're like, oh God, what do I do? Uh, as Peter said, this is a great time to square away any of the work and the family stuff and all that before the race. Um, I find, you know, making out the the schedule of exactly what like the day before and the day of the race are going to look like the gear lists, mm -hmm. you know, to do checklists. Yep. All that stuff is super, super helpful. That's something Alexia has talked about on this podcast. Uh, you know, we talk about race day checklists, gear checklists, all that stuff. We both live and die by our lists, which sure. is why we get along okay. and the dachshunds, but and so I liked a couple of things you said there, there was the, especially for a race like Iceman, like your race was a little different, but you still did pickups and some sprints. So a lot of times you'll see that in the peak is when you start putting those really short sprint efforts in, I, I think you probably put them in a lot of the time, but in those one or two or three weeks beforehand, that's often when you start seeing some of these like quote unquote anaerobic or sprint stuff uh, to try and polish that off. That stuff comes quickly and, and leaves quickly is sort of the idea with that. So yeah, you could definitely include that, uh, whether it's in warmups for your, you know, Wednesday or midweek workout or in the day before the race. Uh, I think that's, that's a great spot for that. Ooh, the other thing I didn't mention was sleep. Uh, I do think like the week before the race, prioritizing a lot of sleep as much as you can the nights before, because I find like the night before a race is always hit or miss whether or not you're going to sleep well, especially, I mean, even at the race, you're in a hotel, maybe mm -hmm. it's a little noisy. Sure. Uh, maybe you're nervous. Maybe you have to get up really early for the race. Yeah. So I find, you know, rather than worrying about, like, I don't want to hit the night before the race stressing that I get enough sleep. I want to have gotten enough sleep before the race that or like in the days prior that I've kind of banked those extra hours. And I feel pretty confident that even if that's a crappy night of sleep, I can still wake up and be like, okay, sure. That sucked, but I've had great sleep all week. So sure. I'm, fi I'm fine. 
Yeah, and I think that's that's a good. A lot of times, that's what you'll say is people will get. This is going to sports psychology. We were just speaking about. Um, and if you know that, okay, I've slept really well for the two and three weeks beforehand, then it's not as important to sleep the night before the race. It's very common that people don't sleep the night before the race. We know the performance decrement isn't that much from one night of of sleep disruption. And then often you end up sleeping. I was going to say, funny enough, that actually makes you sleep much better. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the idea is just don't screw it up. Love it. Maybe a little, a little bit of speed in there, but don't go wild. Um, ideally, that's progressing off of what you've been doing. Um, Molly talked a bit about like decreasing the volume of the big stuff, trying to shed some of that muscular or neuromuscular fatigue, uh, especially for the runners, right? This is those impacts are important. So just being careful. The last thing you said that was really smart too, was that two days out, that's very, very common. You know, as you see that everywhere is taking that rest day, two days out and then openers, uh, whatever that means to you, um, pre-race day, uh, the day before, uh, so often you'll see off two days out openers the day before race on, on the race day. I really like that. And, and that's very common. I've seen Dan, John talk about that. Obviously David's talking about that. That's in like Joe Friel books. That's, that's pretty, pretty common. Um, so there, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and Oh, the only other caveat, and I don't know if it applies to this person or not is if you are driving to the race or you have any way to like mitigate travel stress, like the less stress for travel, the better. So, you know, for us, this is a lesson we keep having to learn of like, take a little longer to get to the race. If, you know, if it's a 14 hour drive, that is not a one day, especially not like the day before, you know, two days before the race, like the, the off day Thursday shouldn't be spent entirely in the car. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you are, if you have a long drive starting at Wednesday, and, dealing with it, and it may apply, I don't, this person may be local. I'm not sure where exactly they are, uh, in relation to Iceman, but yeah, it's one of those ones that a lot of people are driving multiple hours to get to this race. I was going to say, Iceman in particular, because we know a lot of Ontario people go to it and they drive. And I mean, Michigan is like Ontario, like you have to drive to get everywhere, right? So yeah, it definitely trying to spread. That's why I like to get there a little earlier if you can. Again, this gets you away from work and, and family. Not that any of those things are bad, but you know, just so there's less distraction, you're, you're sitting around being bored. And that's, I think, what the problem you said, like you have less time, you're not running as much. And now you're like, oh, I need to suddenly go and to pick up hobbies. And it's like, no, you need to sit on the couch. Yep. <laughs> and that's the best racers who I grew up with. I was not one of them, but the ones around me were just so good at they would sit and watch the stupidest TV show just like all day, just funny, lighthearted movies. And this is why you didn't make it. they'd nap and I'd be like stirring around and like, oh, maybe I'll just go ride a little extra. And then I'm going to go check out the shopping mall. And then, you know, but it's, it's, you gotta, you know, you're laying down and it's, this isn't something as adults we do most of the time, but that race week, this is where you're switching to that. Like, it's not as important to get your 10,000 steps. It's not as important, you know, all this volume and endurance yeah. and all this stuff, right. That starts dropping out. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, before we get into our next question, quick word from this week's sponsor. We have AG1, formerly known as Athletic Greens. As we're heading into the holiday season, I've said it before, I'll say it again, having AG1 with you when you're going to grandma's house or the you know, million holiday parties or you're on vacation, uh, it is just so, so helpful to have that one-stop shop for everything you need, your probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, vitamins, minerals, all the good stuff in one very tasty little packet. Uh, yeah, cannot say. And we love, stuff. you know, a lot of this, it has all of the stuff in it. And so that way you're not going out and spending a ton of money and a ton of time trying to find all these different potions and whatever. So I do like that. It's sort of like 
this is the one believe in it and away you go. Yeah, exactly. And it is NSF for sport certified, which means it's been third party tested to have what it says it has in it. Also that it's been tested to have none of the potential contaminants that could get you banned from sport, which is a major positive. Yeah. We want to be careful with that. Yeah. Whether, whether or not you're getting tested, I think that's just something I look for on every label. Um, that's, you know, just pretty key for us, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I honestly think it tastes great. I still stand by my vanilla papaya assessment. I just recently got a frother for it and that has been a game changer for the consistency. I just make sure it's all in the, just like perfectly stirred up in the water. Just like one of those really cheap little, little guys. Mm -hmm. And I do like that there isn't sediment left in all cups around the house now. So the, the frother is for the wind. You could drink, you could drink the, the sediment <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> so like it's like extra extra yeah. good for you yeah, then it's exactly. like yeah okay uh, and bonus uh if you use the link drinkag1.com backslash molly h you also get a one-year supply of their immune supporting vitamin d drops uh so vitamin d is fat soluble so you need to have it in oil form the drops are actually very tasty kind of got like a cucumber vibe and again great this time of year as we get so less sun for a lot of the listeners uh, yeah. you know northern yeah. climates boost the immunity get the sunshine um well sunshine in a in a droplet i guess liquid sunshine liquid sunshine yeah. uh i feel like some other brand probably has the trade yeah. on that i don't know maybe like oil for your car i don't anyway oil for your car uh, at any rate, you also get five free travel packs. So if you do have a trip coming up, definitely worth the try here. So head to drinkag1.com backslash Molly H to take ownership over your health today. Okay. Next. Okay. So question. we have a second question. Do you want to, yeah, there's the note. Molly's name. There you go. Okay. Huh. So this one, how would I do a strength block? Yes. Also, this person said they loved our recent episode. Cross training is not a crime. If you missed it, definitely go back and listen to and it. Also, especially. Molly made up the T-shirt. I was hoping yes. that we would make so. Make sure if you're looking for gifts for people who are, you know, in the consummate athlete mindset and philosophy and lifestyle, cross training is not a crime. This is a great T-shirt. It's true. Yeah, yours is yours is waiting for you when we get home next week. Oh, lovely. Uh, but then I'll maybe wear it on the next uh, yeah. so you could see it on YouTube if you want. Yes. And now our, our screen is green behind you. Yeah, it's not a green black. screen. It's a green screen. So you'll actually be able to see it because the T-shirt is black. Obviously. Okay. So the question, um, let's see, questioning whether it might be a good idea to do an anabolic muscle building block during the off season. This is something I've been wondering about as well. How would I know if an approach like that is right for me? So this person is asking, can I do a strength focused block as a cyclist? Sure. So this is, I, I say two things. I say that probably a lot of us would be better to take like a month or two and just do strength train and, and walk. And like, you can ride your bike occasionally, but like more like a normal person might mountain bike on the weekend and then like go to the gym during the week. Um, I say that. And then I say that a lot of us would be suited to go and do like a, I would call it like a maffetone type block, or just like a very strict base block where you mostly do endurance training. And the thing is most of us won't do this. So, so this is somewhat theoretical, but I think both are good ideas. Well, it's funny because I think 15 years ago, people would have done both of those things. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But I do think with the the trainer riding, I think a lot of people, like, mm. you don't really need to do strength because you have this trainer set up so you can just ride year round. It's very easy. Uh, you know, it used to be like prior to trainers being so much fun and so accessible, you know, you would do more of a strength block because the trainer you had sucked or 
you know, you didn't have a trainer and you'd be at the gym. Yeah. And maybe you're like going to school or something. So like, you just didn't have the option. Uh, mm -hmm. that could be, uh, and then, yeah, maybe base training was like more accepted then, even though zone two is super trendy now. But in any case, I think the way I would sell this to you is that a lots of people don't do anything for months, if not years. So it, it's, it's common. Uh, I think even athletes, there's a subset of people that don't do a lot. Like they take full off weeks to months. This is very like, actually a lot of your friends probably do this. They just stop doing things. So is it okay to only do three strength workouts as your main exercise for a month? Yes, because lots of people take full months off, right? So I think the way I would think through some of these things is like, there's lots of people who do this. And then even just the zone two, like endurance stuff, like for sure, there's lots of people that only train endurance. And there's lots of people in history that have done that. That's really, if you look at a Joe Friel book, that's essentially what's going on there. Um, so I don't think this is like revolutionary. The Maffetone book for sure is going to like convince you of this. If you want to read it, like the big book of endurance by Phil Maffetone is classic. Mm -hmm. um, I also think the strength thing is actually a fantastic thing this time of year for people who have a lot of other demands on their time, hmm. uh, especially. So, you know, we are heading into the holiday season. I know I keep, I keep beating that drum, but I do think it is important because I mean, how many clients do you have that Super you know, busy. say they want to do 20 hours a week during Christmas week and then do five because they forgot they have all of these other like things on their time. Uh, but also, I mean, if we're training most of the year, uh, there's a lot of house stuff that gets, you know, like house and like work and like life backlog. Yeah, yeah. And so I really look at the strength training thing as like, oh, I'm getting seven hours a week back. Like I'm still doing training. This is great. Yeah. But I'm also gaining back this time to finally, you know, finish the basement or paint the bathroom or sure. You know, spend, spend the, you know, put in the hours with the the kids so that, you know, you've kind of built up some points for when you do need to get back to base training and you maybe want to go somewhere warm for a week or two to train. So we should probably talk a bit about who is this indicated for. Mm -hmm. It's probably a piece. The strength training, you know, we could call it an anabolic thing. I think the main concept, like we don't need to go too far, like anabolic, like you're going to eat a bit more. You're going to try and put on muscle. I think this is a good idea. I think this is what Stacey Sims is talking about. I think this is what a lot of things, like when we're talking about the importance of strength training, uh, Phil Cavell was just on his book actually has just gone wild in the U S I would say thanks, thanks possibly to our podcast. Uh, the audio book is, is trending number one in the U S I think he sent us this morning. Uh, he's also sent us some great photos of his dog and his, him paddleboarding and Molly, Molly and him are going back on that. In any case, check out Phil's book, the midlife mid cyclist again, strength training is important, but Phil, even when I'm talking to him, I said, how have you fit it in and, or did you not? And he said, I, I have not done as much because I ride all the time. Uh, but we know it's important. So indeed, I think it's important to put on muscle. And I think there's a subset of person that Molly said, you're busy, you don't have a ton of time. So maybe you don't actually have a ton of options. And so you're like, maybe I'll jump on the trainer once in the week or twice in the week. But then you're like, well, is there a ton of benefit to that versus strength training where there's a ton of cardiovascular benefit that doesn't get talked about with strength training, but also we know muscles important and just movement is important. And that's where I wanted to focus with this is not so much the like muscle building because some people get turned off. You start talking about gaining weight or gaining muscle, even though we know this is healthful. Uh, what I want to focus on is the subset of person who has like injuries or niggles or problems with bike fitting or, you know, has any issue around saddle pain, pelvic pain, back pain, uh, any injury, 
uh, I would say illness would be probably tied into this, you know, motivation around the bike would be tied into this. Like, should you ride the trainer in October, November, December, if motivation has been an issue through the summer or completely take a break from it and focus on going to the gym or doing it at home or wherever you're going to do strength training. I think this is that. So that subset of person that if the season has had any of those things, I think this would be a great idea to try for at least a month uh, where we're doing maybe three focused, you know, one hour sessions. Um, you could go Dan John style and do the easy strength where it's five days a week and they're shorter routines. If that fits better for you, I know that's for me, that's what I really like. And that could be a strength focus block. But I think at the end of that, let's call it a month. You're just going to feel a lot better all around. You're going to feel energy wise a lot better. You're going to sleep well, I think, but movement wise, I think a lot of these aches and pains are going to go away. If you're having saddle sores, they're definitely going to go away, right? Like just what is the effect of not hinging over doing that same motion on your bike with the saddle ramming into your, your stuff. Uh, I think your it's, stuff. it's going to be really good. So the people, hopefully does that, is that a good list of people yeah. like injury, illness, like things related to riding a bike that are making your body not work great. I think as adults, I think we can take a, a, a month or two and, and not have that and try and see it resolve and then ease our way back into that. Maybe with like a bike fit as part of that. Definitely. Yeah. Love it. Do you think that answers it? Oh, actually I'll add the secondary question that I asked you. Cause you were, we talked about this offline, obviously, as we often do arguing over, over breakfast, uh, which I think is, I was a little nervous that you're, I'm still nervous that you're going to put a squat rack out on our very small deck. Uh, but I was questioning, could you do this without joining a gym? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, so remember if you don't, if if you're new to something, it doesn't have to be like world class. So you're gonna get stronger just you know doing push-ups and air squats in your living room if you've if you're not very strong, right? And so we do some screening with people, and it's like if if you can't do one pull-up or one push-up or you know you're you're not very strong, you're then not a bad person. No, I mean, this is probably well into this is probably another indication is like if you're limited by strength or power, um. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think this is the thing <laughs> to, to try it. I think it makes a lot of sense and yet you don't need a lot. And then if after a week or two weeks, you're like, okay, I, I could use like a dumbbell or a rock or something, then add a bit of load. But that's this is the beauty is that you don't need to do a lot to start. And most of us don't like, you can get quite strong with just a little bit of, you know, your kettlebells and your dumbbells and a little pull-up bar in your doorway and away you go. Like don't overcomplicate it. Now, if you're someone who has a gym at work or in your apartment, like go to the gym, if that's motivating. But I always say, if you're not doing the thing in a week or two, uh, you need to do something different and then you stay home. So that's the first order of business is how does it get done? Uh, if it, it, my experience is that most of people have to do it at home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's us. Like we've joined gyms over the years and it's not to say we haven't gone, but I've had the best results when I just work with our couple heavyweights here in the house. Now say I was going to do this. I would consider joining a gym, I think for myself, but I've strength trained a fair bit. I've for been sure. very consistent throughout the season doing strength training at home. And then if you were saying, well, now you can't ride your bike very much or at all. So now again, you have a time thing where I, sure. I actually do have like, instead of riding for 90 minutes, maybe I, you know, drive or ride the bike over to the gym, which takes 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes each way, train for an hour, come home. It, it's sort of the same time. So the other thing is that you do have that option to say, I'm dedicating this time. Some people might book in with like a, a strength class or, um, a personal, personal trainer, trainer yeah. you know, even once a week. So it might be a bit at home and a, 
bit with a trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a few clients do that, right. They do once with the personal trainer and then, uh, either routine that I do or, or the trainer does or whatever they do for the other day. Yeah. And if you didn't listen to it already, definitely go back and listen to our episode with Carolyn Burkholder a couple of weeks ago, because in it, we do actually talk about strength training in the off season and, uh, just kind of the concern that as we get older, uh, you know, this is kind of coming as like a bit of a, a thing that I knew, but it's still a, still a shock to hear it. Uh, even at like 35, uh, it gets harder and harder to put on muscle the older you get. So even if you were someone, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, but I've, I bulk up so much, you probably don't anymore. Mm. Uh, so the, the like, oh no, I'm going to gain weight. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably past the point in your life where you can put on like pounds of muscle really, really quickly. Uh, and frankly, you should be hoping to put on pounds of muscle. Like we were talking right. about when it comes to anything body composition related, really after 30 years old, you are so much better putting on a pound or two of muscle than trying to lose any weight. Sure. Sure. And I, I think that's again, beneficial from a metabolic standpoint, from a strength standpoint, activities of daily living. I, I think even biking, most of us would see improvements with this. Is there some people that would be, you know, edge cases where for sure they just like are some, genetically, they're very good at putting on muscle and it just like is falling off them, uh, or falling onto them, I guess, uh, maybe. And, and then maybe those are, are specific cases, but again, like that, they might not be, they might be people who have had a great season, didn't have any of these muscular things, have lots of muscle are very strong and they struggle more with endurance. And then these people might be our maffetone folks who, who don't do as much. Right. And, and again, sure. this is where, you know, you can't say general things for everyone. Sure. Um, this is a limiter analysis, right? Yeah. I do you think you need to experiment with it though? Because I would have two years ago, I would have like just argued with you right now and been like, well, I'm one of those edge cases. Like that's me. And I still strength train thing is I'm not one of those edge cases as it turns out, like I'm getting older and it is harder. Like I used to buff up like mm. a lot. If I did like any overhead press, I'd like suddenly have guns. Right. Like I have muscle tone. I don't have guns anymore. Yeah. And you are naturally lean and, and athletic. You are training a lot too. So it is, that's the thing is usually with the volume, there's a piece there, but I yeah. just don't think I would hulk up like I would have when I was 25. I do find that that is one of those things that like we all say, you know, oh, I don't want to gain muscle, but you know, let's, let's get it first. It's not hard to lose muscle. So I was going to say, like, I dare you. And, and that's where I wanted to start with like the feeling. So like, do you feel really good? Uh, you know, are, are those niggles going away? Because so much of that stuff is related to the positions we end up putting ourselves in. And again, just the overuse that we're doing as cyclists or runners. So it's just, a proposal and a lot of people listening will still continue to do their, their strength or their cardio. And then let's hope that we add in a bit more strength. It's a bit more strength heavy. However, like I think to your point that if you're a little busier or you're burnt out or you don't have a bike cause it got broken, maybe this is the time to try a November, you know, strength block and just see, just like, it's just an experiment. Like what, could like in four weeks, nothing major is going to go one way or the other, but, but you might be surprised, right? Like, and then you can come back and, and ease into it and you still have December right through till whenever your races are. Think about how much more you'll get done at home. Mm -hmm. But if it's fear about like, I mean, this is where, again, the couple episodes we've had with Carolyn and uh, Pat uh, yeah, recently, right? Last two episodes, just solid. Around the mental strain. So this is where it's like uncomfortable to dig into like, why? Could you not change this up? You know, when it's not very convenient to do bike riding in most places, uh, is it a concern about like, quote unquote, losing your fitness? Mm. Uh, and then it, it would come back. 
right? Like, you know, and so this is almost something that like the reason to do it is actually to like do that experiment and show yourself that like four weeks of, of strength training is not, yeah. you know, the end of the world and, and maybe is even better. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, this has all had me, I'm like in the back of my head. I'm like, okay, so I got to email planet fitness about uh, joining the gym and oh boy, this is a problem. All right. Well, I think we will end it there because I need to go join the Y. Um, but if you have any other questions, especially heading into the off season, New Year's goal setting, next year's racing, all that fun stuff, hit us up over at consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram. And if you share this episode, rate it, review it, subscribe, whatever you do, we would be so, so appreciative. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.